Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast series. Today we have our weekly look at the headlines, including mifepristone, vaccine updates, and the rising rates of STIs. I'm joined, as always, with AMA's Vice President of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Welcome back, Andrea. Thanks, Todd. It's good to be here. Last week we talked about mifepristone. There's been a lot of news since, uh, a lot of back and forth on this one. Where do we stand right now? Yeah, so we'll start with a little background uh, just to level set. Mifepristone is approved by the FDA. It's a safe and effective drug to end pregnancy in the first 10 weeks of gestation. And it's also commonly used to help manage miscarriages. Two weeks ago, we saw a district court judge in Texas issue a ruling that invalidated the FDA's approval of mifepristone, and that would, of course, block nationwide access to the drug. We saw the Biden administration appeal that Texas judge's decision. They requested an emergency stay of that injunction. And then last week, we saw the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals issue a ruling uh, allowing the FDA's approval of mifepristone to stand, but they put certain limitations on how that drug uh, can be dispensed. What kind of limitations were those? So the appeals court uh, allows use of mifepristone for up to seven weeks of pregnancy. Um, You know, we just mentioned that it's currently approved for up to 10 weeks. So that's a shorter uh, window of when that medication can be used. And the appeals court also imposed restrictions ruling that it can no longer be sent in the mail, at least for now. So, of course, that was not the end of the story. Other parties have weighed in and a new outcome, at least for now. Yeah, so uh, in an emergency appeal, the Biden administration asked that Supreme Court to stop the lower courts from restricting access to mifepristone. Uh, We we heard on Friday uh, Justice Samuel Alito issue an administrative stay. So that uh, temporarily freezes those lower court rulings. It preserves the status quo for the next five days. And it gives uh, the Supreme Court justices time to consider that emergency appeal. Um, So for now, uh, the drug is still available. We'll, of course, be watching uh, the news really closely for any developments from the Supreme Court. Um, I think we need to to definitely recognize here the broader implications of substituting the FDA's scientific expertise with the court's interpretation, because this has certainly potential beyond this one drug to append that drug approval process, which we know was established by Congress. It could overturn FDA's authority to determine the safety and uh, effectiveness of medications. And obviously that would cause profound harm to patients and lead to widespread uncertainty. Yeah, this is not confusing at all. Um, As you said, you can imagine what might happen uh, with thousands of other drugs. Uh, So we'll uh, definitely stay on this story and keep you updated there. Andrea, another new headline this week and something we have been expecting, a vaccine update from the FDA. We'll be talking with the AMA's ACIP liaison, Dr. Sandra Freihofer, next week to get all the details. Um, but in the meantime, can you give us some of the high-level uh, takeaways right now? Yeah, so we saw the FDA amend the EUAs for both the Moderna and the Pfizer bivalent vac- vaccines. Um, that includes aus- authorizing uh, the bivalent vaccines to be used for all doses administered to individuals six months of, of age and older. Um, that includes for an additional dose or doses in certain populations. 
I think it's worth noting that those monovalent vaccines are no longer authorized in the U.S. Um, we know that the issue of waning immunity has come up, um, especially for seniors and immunocompromised people. Um, so under this FDA authorization, those 65 and older uh, who have received one of the single doses of the bivalent booster can now get an additional dose at least four months after their first. And most uh, immunocompromised individuals can receive an additional uh, dose two months after their last dose. And then um, the FDA went on to say that additional doses can be provided at the discretion of their physician. That is really great news. Are there any other groups affected? Yeah, so most individuals who were previously vaccinated with a monovalent booster qualify for a bivalent dose. That's, that includes children, but that dosage really depends on what they received previously. If you've received a bivalent dose already or, and you're not older or immunocompromised, you're not currently eligible for another dose. Uh, we should hear more about FDA's plans for future vaccinations after the agency learns more about that fall strain and talks about that in June. So if you haven't gotten vaccinated or are due for a booster, uh, it obviously remains really important because we are seeing new variants emerge. Andrea, we talked last week about two new subvariants. What are the developments there? So variant XBB.1.16, which has been called in the news Arcturus, has mostly been fueling an outbreak in India and in some other parts of the world. We are seeing some places in India reintroduce mask mandates. Uh, according to the WHO, XBB.1.16 is similar to XBB.1.15, uh, um, but that variant has an additional mutation in the spike protein. Uh, in lab studies, it showed increased infectivity, as well as the potential for increased pathogenicity. At this point, there, there um, is no indication that this variant leads to more severe disease. We do know that XBB.1.16 is here in the U.S. Uh, we know CDC is tracking it. We know it accounts for about 7% of new COVID cases. Uh, XBB.1.5 is still the dominant variant. It accounts for about 78% of the cases here in the U.S. Uh, but XBB.1.16 is now the second most dominant variant in just a few, uh, a few short weeks. Um, so some are um, predicting that it could eventually become the dominant strain here in the U.S. Well, thank you for that update. Andrea, we uh, have been talking over the past few weeks, too, about a different virus. That's the Marburg virus. What do we need to uh, know there? Well, the latest WHO update uh, was published on April 15th, and it suggested that Equatorial Guinea is, is really struggling to monitor and quarantine cases of Marburg virus and to trace how that infection may be spreading. That's concerning because we know that being able to quickly identify and isolate those cases is really uh, critical uh, to halting outbreaks, both of Marburg and Ebola virus. Um, the WHO assessment uh, really said that the country's surveillance system remains suboptimal with few alerts reported and, and invest investigated. Um, I think the better news is that the um, outbreak in Tanzania appears to be under control, according to experts there. So we'll, of course, continue to keep an eye on, on both of those outbreaks. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. 
The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Well, in news that's hitting a little bit closer to home, there appears to be an uptick in sexually transmitted diseases in the U.S. Andrea, what's driving this and how serious is it? Yeah, so CDC published new data last week, and we saw um, more than 2.5 million cases of sexually transmitted infections, or STIs, reported in 2021. That's a 7% increase over 2020. Uh, chlamydia accounted for more than half of those reported cases. We saw rates of chlamydia increase about 4% in 2021, and cases of gonorrhea rose nearly 5%. Uh, cases of syphilis increased 32% in one year, and that includes a rise in infections passed from pregnant mothers to babies. Um, in 2021, we know congenital syphilis cases caused 220 stillbirths and infant deaths. We also know that those deaths are preventable, so it's, it's definitely tough to hear those numbers. Um, while STIs can affect anyone, we know that that CDC data is showing that there are disproportionately um, a disproportionate number of cases affecting gay and bisexual men, younger people, and uh, Black and Native Americans. Uh, in a CDC article, Dr. Leandro Mina, who is the director of the CDC's uh, Division of STD Prevention, said that the uh, U.S. STI epidemic shows no sign of slowing. Well, that is really concerning. Andrea, why are STIs increasing now, and what can we do about it? Well, it really represents a combination of factors um, contributing to this overall rise in STI cases. And uh, we've talked before about how the pandemic has exacerbated other healthcare conditions. This, this is another one of them. And according to that same CDC article, um, it's the lack of access to healthcare, including testing and treatment for STIs. Uh, it's decreased funding for public health, which is also a major driver. The other thing to keep in mind is, is stigma plays a role here in impacting uh, whether or not people seek access to care for STIs. Uh, Dr. Mina went on to say that to make progress towards ending the STI epidemic, we really need to meet people where they are. We need to develop tailored and localized interventions to have the greatest impact. And we want to make sure that we're addressing the social and economic conditions that make it more difficult for some of these populations to stay healthy. Well, the uh, other barometer I have are all the folks I know that have kids. And one of the things that is popping up on that radar screen is the rise of strep. Uh, so, Andrea, uh, this has some experts worried. What's the concern around this? Yeah, so it, CDC uh, during the pandemic uh, noted that severe infections caused by group A streptococcus decreased by 25 percent in the U.S., which was great. Um, but those group A strep infection levels have rebounded. They're now higher than pre-pandemic levels in some parts of the country. And I think the, comp the complicating factor here is, uh, is the, the, um, the form of strep called invasive group A strep infections. Uh, and they've remained high in children. 
after we've seen sort of those decrease in respiratory viruses like flu and RSV, um, some areas of the country have also seen an increase in invasive group A strep infection in adults. Um, that's particularly uh, true for those aged 65 and older. We know that some types of strep can be mild, um, but these are very severe infections where the bacteria, that group A strep, gets into par the parts of the body where that bacteria is not usually found. So think of the blood or the muscles or the lungs. Um, this requires hospital care and in some cases can lead to death. And in terms of treatment, uh, one of the big obstacles here is there continue to be reports of antibiotic shortages, including those that have been used to treat strep infections. Andrea, what do we need to know about these, uh, these shortages? Yes, yeah, so the FDA has indicated that there is a national shortage of amoxicillin. We know that's often prescribed uh, to children to treat group A strep infections. Uh, that shortage is a supply issue from the manufacturer, and so we're expecting that shortage uh, to continue for several months. There are other forms of amoxicillin, like tablets uh, and capsules, that are not affected. Uh, and the American Academy of Pediatrics has put out a good uh, guide for alternative therapies during the, sh the shortage. So we'll put uh, in the description of uh, that uh, the episode a link to that guidance. And as with any medication shortage, if patients find that they're unable to fill a particular prescription, you should always talk to their physician about other potential options. Well, that's good advice. Andrea, thanks so much for being here today. That wraps up today's episode. We'll be back soon with another AMA update. You can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Please take care.